0: Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. It says in the Psalm 16, 11, it says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy, and on your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It says in verse uh It says in verse seven, actually verse six, five and six, the Lord is my chosen portion, my cup, you hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. How many of you guys know that the Lord is the best inheritance? We're talking about provision. It's like... (laughs) $100 is great, man, but it's like when you got nothing in the bank account, you got Jesus. You got everything. You got everything you need. I'm telling like not just saying you have everything you need and like go freezing, go cold, go hungry. But if you go freezing, you go cold, you go hungry, you get beat for the name of Jesus. If you have Jesus, you have everything. If you have Jesus, you have everything. If you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. Even if you have all the money, even if you have all the fame, even if you have all the friends, you have nothing. Those aren't just words like, nothing. Nothing compares to knowing Jesus. It says he, he leads you to the path of life. Salvation is not a one step do one thing and then you're good for the rest of your life. Salvation's a journey walking in the fullness of the kingdom. It starts in a moment and it goes on to the fullness of walking with God. Walking with God is a daily saying I lay my life down and I'm following you. Yes, Last couple weeks we've been talking about growing. If you guys have not been here I feel the like presence. Man, this is so cool. If you guys have not been here the last couple weeks, we've been talking about growing, man, and please go back through it. Two weeks ago, we talked about growing and growing deep in the Lord. Get in that and go over it again. We have it on the podcast. Type in overflow on Apple Podcasts or like the Android store, whatever that is. I don't know, I have an iPhone, (laughs) Google Play. And uh, look at the podcast, go back two weeks. It's about the growth series and it's talking about growing into Jesus. And what Pastor Josh was talking is, Read the Bible, pray every day, and you're going to grow, grow, grow. That's a promise backed by the Holy Spirit. That is not something that we put off for a Sunday morning. Read your Bible, pray. It's about being with Him, and you're going to grow deep roots in Him. Last week we were talking about if you're following Jesus, it's not going to be easy. It's not about the easy. It's not about just laying back and having all the blessings, putting your feet up, and letting the Lord like serve you. It's actually serving Him. And it says if you're following Jesus, you're going to experience pain, the sunlight, the heat. It's going to beat down on you. But guess what, if you have deep roots in Jesus, all that does is produce fruit in you. Because if you have deep roots and you're being watered by the source of life, Jesus, sunlight only produces growth. Today we're gonna talk about um, putting your hands to the plow and actually doing something with what God's given you. Because how many of you guys know that if you guys have deep roots and you guys are having persecution and if you guys are having hard things in your life, but you do nothing, you're missing the whole point of Christianity. You're missing the whole message. The message is knowing Jesus and following him, which involves action. And it does not involve sitting in your house and just being with him. And that's the end. That's the beginning. That's the foundation. But if you don't put your hands to something and do something with what God's given you, you miss everything. Because God's actually not just saved you. He's not just blessed you with the gift of salvation. The gift of following him for you to be blessed. He's blessed you, like we say in our church about money, to be a blessing. It's the greatest gift. Okay. Um, so I got a question for y'all. You guys can raise your hand. You don't have to. I, we do it in kid flow, so feel a little special <laughs> coming in here make you guys feel like kids today. Um, how many of the people in this room believe God has called you guys into full-time ministry? Can I just see, like, raising of hands? Okay. Okay. Where's Ryan at? Okay, there. I knew. Yeah, I called you out on that one. I'm like, you better raise your hand. Okay, cool. Um, can we, like, look up Ephesians Four eleven. Actually, wait. Pause on up for a second. Um, you can keep it up like that. Actually, so today is the day God's going to call you out from sitting to doing. It's pivotal. You have to choose to do it. God's not going to force your hand. This is what it says in Ephesians four eleven through twelve. It says He gave the apostles. So this is talking about the church. Jesus gave these as gifts. These are roles that God's given His people. The apostles, the prophets the evangelists, the shepherds, which another word for that is pastors and teachers, and to equip the saints for the works of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Guess what? When he's talking about equip the saints for the works of ministry, he's not talking about the really spiritual. He's not talking about the really put together. He's talking about the normal, everyday body believers. The job of the person up here is not just to do the work of ministry and sound or feel really good about themselves, but it's actually to give you something and show you how to put your hands to something so you guys can actually do what God's calling you to do. If I reach 10 people talking about Jesus this next year, good, yay for me. If you guys all reach one person, how many more are in this room? It's not about one person, it's about the body. If you've given your life to Jesus, God's called you to do something, and he's called you to put your hands to the plow. Talking about farming. Do something with what he's actually called you to do. It's our job to help you equip you to do it, to get off the sideline and into the game. Okay? So a plow, it's, a, it's like a farming tool. I don't know how many of you guys know, I, I didn't like farm farm. I grew up on a small farm, but we didn't have a plow. But a plow would be something that you break the ground to plant seeds. It's hard work. If you're not used to the hard work, you're going to get blisters. It's not going to be easy. It's last week's message. It's actually going to be difficult, but it's going to be good the reward will be sweet. So it will be painful work, but the reward will be sweet. And the reward is not just spiritual blessing or like money, it's actually people. The kingdom of God's reward is people. It's people coming to Jesus, people being transformed and us growing deeper into him. Okay, so being effective and sharing Jesus is what we're really talking about today. We're talking about putting our hands on the plow. It's actually talking about like sharing Jesus with other people. It's something I didn't know for a long time. I didn't understand it. I grew up in church. I grew up in this whole ministry thing. I felt very comfortable here. But as far as everyone who needed Jesus outside of here, I had no clue. I started having a heartburn for it, but I didn't know how to connect with people. I'm just like, man, I feel like I'll talk to Jesus like I talk to my church friends, and they're like, I have no clue what you're talking about. And I've been on this journey where God's growing me into this, where I don't know what to say. I'm not perfect. I'm growing with you guys in this, but this is some of the stuff God showed me. So being effective in sharing Jesus with people comes with two things. The first thing is loving God with your everything. The first thing is not going and doing, the first thing is not going and talking to people about Jesus. The first thing is not doing all this work. The first thing is being right with him, loving him with everything. And out of that place of loving him and being loved by him, guess what? It's number two. Loving people from the overflow of God's love in your life. So you're with the Lord, you're with Jesus, and then you go start and you start touching people, like laying hands on them, loving them. You're starting to serve them. You're starting to speak about him. And guess what? It's actually meaningful. You're not just trying to force people to do something. It's not manipulation. It's actually God doing the work and us being used by him. Okay, Mark 12, 30 through 31. This is what it says. And you must love the Lord. Actually, let me stop for a second. This is the greatest commandment. If you get nothing out of this entire message, get this right here, write this down, highlight this in your Bible and ask God to show you how to do this. He will. It says, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind and with all of your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. So we talk about love. The world has a way of loving. There's God's way and then there's the world's way with love. They have a little bit different definitions. The world's way of love is love is love. The world's way is if you love me, you're gonna accept not just me as a person, you're gonna accept everything I do. And if you say what I'm doing is not okay, even if it might be something that hurts you or other people, you really don't love me. You're just judging me. God's love is greater than that. This is God's love. God's love is saying, I will love you regardless of what you do. If you spit on me, if you hit me, if you break me, if you cuss me out, I'm going to love you. And it's saying, I will love you enough to show you the way from death into the way of life. Even if it hurts your feelings. Jesus is life. There's no life apart from him. There's not many ways to God. There is one way to God. Buddha is not it. Muhammad is not it. Any Hindu place, any Hindu gods, it's not it. There's not many ways. There's not a spiritual way or a soul way. I was talking to a, a buddy of mine, and he's talking about just believing in the soul idea, talking about, like, we're all gods. And it's like, that's not the way. The way is Jesus. It's Jesus or nothing. So to walk in what God's called you to do, you need to know your identity. Listen to this, identity is key. Because if you don't have your identity rooted in Jesus, what you're gonna do is you're gonna be fighting really hard for people to see you, for you to feel like you're doing a good enough job, you're working to please God, working from pleasing him. I'm gonna say that again in a little bit. So this is your identity in Jesus for those whose lives belong to Jesus. If your life in this room does not belong to Jesus, because it's not about just praying a prayer, it's about your life laid down at his feet, Turn it from death to life and saying, I'm following you. If your life belongs to Jesus, listen to this, highlight this in your Bible, and say this over yourself all the time this week. This is what it says. First thing, first thing, you guys are sons and daughters who are fully loved by God. Look that up in Ephesians uh, 5, 1 through 2. You're sons and daughters, fully loved by God. You are the light of the world, Matthew 5, 14. You are the righteousness of God. You're not a sinner any longer. You're not someone who just, that's who I am. I'm of the world, but I'm like, I'm just a person. I'm just a human. I make mistakes. Actually, no, the Bible actually calls you the righteousness of God. And the last thing, you're farmers who are called to sow and reap. Okay? The enemy lies to us about our identity, and he tries to make us believe who God says we are. Like, against, like, who God says we are is not actually the truth. He actually tries to make us believe how we feel is who we are. So I'm just going to read these again. You don't have to put them back on the slides, but you're sons and daughters of God who are fully loved by God. You're the light of the world. You're the righteousness of God. And you're farmers who sow and reap. How many of you guys, when I'm saying that, feel like that's actually true? Like, I can say truth, but actually feel like that's actually truth. This is what the enemy wants to do. It's like when God calls you and he says, this is who you are. It's like, this is a weird analogy. The Lord gave this to me when I was just prepping for this, but it's like an IT man. So a guy that does like works on computers and God calls him to be a farmer. The IT man has no clue. If, he, see, if you call someone out of a computer desk to go working on a farm to produce some fruit, there's no grid for that. And the devil constantly reminds this man. So there's this man who's trying to farm. He's learning. He has no idea. And the devil's like, you're not made for this. This is not who you are. He constantly reminds him of um, what, he actually, what God said actually wasn't true, but what actually he knows is true. So listen to this. He doesn't have the training to be a farmer, and the devil constantly reminds him of that. He says, did God really say this to you, that you're actually called to do something? Look at other look at what you're good at. This is too hard. You're not really good at this. You're too busy. Take a pause, and I'm gonna get new notes. My computer just died. Plan B. Okay. Are you who you used to be or are you who God said you are? Whose voice are we really going to believe? We're either going to believe God's voice or we're going to believe the devil's voice. There's no in between on it. God will give you what you need when you actually step out and do it. I had a fear in my life where it's like, I don't know enough. I don't have enough, like, like, I don't have enough training. I don't have enough experience. I don't know enough of the Bible. I don't, I don't, I haven't been through this training. I haven't been through X, Y, and Z. There's a list of excuses that are very easy for us to kind of fill in the blanks. But that only happens when we take our eyes off Jesus and put it on us, saying it's about us. And sharing Jesus with people, putting our hands to the plow, actually doing this thing, isn't about us. It's about Jesus. We'll never produce the fruit that God has made us to produce unless we step out and do something with what God's given us. God literally has names of people in your jobs, in your family, and the people around you and your friends that he actually has names that were made to come to Jesus by your life and they are waiting for you to actually open your mouth. So we're gonna talk about planting seeds because as a farmer, we plant seeds, right? If we're actually gonna reap fruit, if we're actually gonna reap a harvest, it starts with the seed planting. So here's a little bit of ground rules. Um, First, start where you're at. God's not looking for what you don't have. I, I went a lot of my life looking for like, I don't have this, I don't have that, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough this, I don't have enough that. I made a list of excuses, and some of the excuses I made, if you just wanna pull up the excuses sheet, I'm scared I'm like I'm fearful there's been times where I'm like so scared I'm shaking and I'm going to go talk to someone about Jesus I'm not sitting there full of boldness and I thought I needed to be to start here's excuses that I made in my life I'm not bold enough I prayed for boldness thinking that it would come and then I would magically go and do but guess what boldness comes when you actually step out and open your mouth God comes and fills you I didn't say this one, I'm, I am an extrovert, but it's not about you being an introvert and an extrovert. It's not about you being a people person or not a people person. If you're not a people person, get right with the Lord because God's a people person, you better be right with that. The kingdom's people person. I'm not good with words. I, I mess up my words a lot. <laughs> I mumble a lot, I like mess up my words when I'm trying to talk to people and I do that a lot but it's not about that. God will use your fumbling and he'll use it to get people. I don't know enough. If you don't know enough, seek Jesus, get in your Bible, pray every day. God will grow you into it. But it's not about what you don't know. Go with what you have. I'm too busy. If you're too busy to put your hands in the plow, you're too busy to follow Jesus. Make room for him. It's not about me just saying like, man, I'm busy too. I'm busy too. For me right now in this season, I'm working. I used to be working more hours. Right now I'm working only 50. Some of you guys work way longer than that. When I come home, um, I've been doing school at nights and on my breaks at work, I'm either sleeping or I'm doing school and I'm trying to figure how to do this thing out. But in the middle of this, I'm still putting my hands to the plow. The people God's put in front of me, I'm still speaking about him. This thing that I'm putting in front of me, I'm gonna talk about how to actually like share Jesus with people in a second, but God's not looking for the list of things you don't have. That would be wrong of him. That would be just like him saying like, I, I know that already, but what do you have to give? What do you have to give? If it's a little bit, it's a lot to God when it's your very best you have. Good. That's good. That's good. So there's this cool thing that I learned It's called uh, a chicken line, okay? Um, imagine a line drawn in the sand and you're on one side and all these people that need Jesus are on the other side. And guess what? We're made to cross over this But what the devil's doing is he's standing right there in your face saying all this list of fears, all this list of excuses, all this list of what about this? What about this? What about this? What are they going to think about me? What are they going to say? What if they cut me off? I've had friends cut me off. I've had people that used to love me, hate me, and say nasty stuff about me because I've shared it in love with them. And the devil's trying to say right here, if you step over this line this is what's going to happen. But guess what? When you step over this line, you actually step into what God has and he gives you what you need and people will come to him. And those lies, they get put under God's feet. And guess what? You're not going to grow in confidence in your ability to speak better words. You're going to grow in your ability to actually say all the right things perfectly. What you're going to grow in your ability is a word called Godfidence. It's actually a confidence in God. It's actually a confidence in saying, when I step out, it's not about me. God, you can use me, speak through me. Give me your words. Be with my hands. I trust you. It's a risk to step out here, but that's where faith comes into place. That's where we actually say, God, what you say, I believe. Step past the line. The enemy's terrified that you actually believe that. Like, honestly. The enemy's terrified that you actually believe that it's like if you step past everything that's saying is wrong, everything you say is gonna happen, God's gonna meet you on the other side. But as you do it and see that God will show up, you start growing into this thing and being like, well, God, you've been faithful here, you've been faithful here, you've been faithful here. Guess what? God will never show himself faithful unless you actually step out in this thing and start working, start working the ground. Put your hands to something, start working, come on. So success in this thing is not defined on how many people you bring to Jesus. If you bring one person to Jesus this year, or if you bring a thousand people to Jesus, I'm going to be freaking out. If I bring one person to Jesus, which is not about me bringing them to Jesus, it's about God using me. If that happens, great, awesome. I'm going to be freaking out, excited if it's one person or if it's a million. But success is not defined on a number. Success is defined on two things. It's how well you love, how well you love, how well you love. It's back to loving God and loving people. And the second one is our obedience to him. If we step out to talk to someone about Jesus and it goes horribly wrong, maybe our words mess up, maybe things get just totally flipped sideways, maybe they ask a question, you have no clue what that answer is, and you leave feeling like, man, I really messed that up. I've left feeling that way a lot. I've talked to many people about Jesus and I've left feeling like, man, I wish I would've done this better or this better. But the Lord, like, this is the level of success if we actually went with a heart going to love that person, even if it's hard, and we said, God, yes, to be an obedient to whatever you say, we win. We win. Even if it looks like we didn't win, we win 100%. So I wanna win. <laughs> and that kind of takes the pressure off too because it's like, with something like talking to people about Jesus or putting our hands on the plow, we think it's all about our ability to work really hard. And it's actually about God's ability to use us, our ability just to say yes. Hmm. So our role versus God's role in bringing people to Jesus. You can't save one person. Do you guys know this? You guys know if you argue, like if you're the best arguer in the room, I know there's people in this room that are like really good with words, way better than I am. And they can convince, they can convince like anyone to buy anything. Salesmen, right? This is not the salesman's gospel. This is not like just trying to like convince people to do something. The Bible says you can't come to Jesus unless Jesus draws you. He's been drawing every person since he died on that cross, so it's not an exclusive offer, but what it is is saying God's the one who draws, and it's not about you being a good person or you being like the person that's great with words. It's actually about Jesus. So here's an analogy. Imagine an apple tree, right? Filled with like just ripe apples. And this is what the harvest field is like. This is what people that are ready and ripe for Jesus or people that aren't ready and ripe for Jesus are like. They're like an apple on a tree. How many of you guys have actually seen like, maybe not even an apple, but any fruit tree? Have you guys ever tried to pull off fruit that's not like ripe? It's hard. And if you actually pull that thing off and take a bite, it's sour, it's bitter. You don't want that. So what it is like is like an apple tree. And what God's doing is he's actually drawing them. He's actually growing that fruit. He's preparing the apple to be ripe and ready to be picked. And our role is to simply do like one thing. It's to speak. And when we speak, the Holy Spirit comes and he shakes. He shakes the tree. And when the apples are ripe, they fall. When the apples are not ripe, they don't. We speak, God brings the fruit. We speak, God brings the fruit. We step out, we do something that the Lord's telling us to be obedient with. If nothing happens that we see, our job's obedience, our job is love. God is ready for that. But this is the thing we miss. We plant seeds, we water seeds. God's made us to be prepared to actually reap a harvest. And when those fruits are ripe, we need to be prepared to actually catch them. We need to actually be prepared to actually say, okay, you're ready to come to Jesus. This is how we come to Jesus, ready. Many times, I didn't know how to harvest. There is a man um, in my college class that uh, was from Japan, back in, like back right after I got out of high school, and he asked all these questions about Jesus. He never heard Jesus before. It wasn't like around him at all. Never heard the gospel, never heard nothing. And because I wasn't ready the best thing I got him was I told him a little bit about Jesus, but what I told him more was about the devil. And, I, and I, I, he went off looking at all this like evil stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, this totally backfired on me. <laughs> this guy was hungry and ready, but I was not ready and prepared. And because I wasn't ready and prepared, I'm not saying that God won't get him with someone else, but he could have got reached right there. And I missed it. I missed it many times. God has grace for that, but get prepared. When we're not prepared, ripe fruit, if you leave it on the tree, either the the, the birds get it or it falls to the ground and it rots. There's many people that are ripe and ready waiting only for you to open your mouth and step past the line of lies that the enemy draws, saying this is actually gonna come if you step past and talk to him about Jesus and saying, God, my life belongs to you no matter what the cost, I'm doing it. And if we're just ready to just reach. let's make it simple. Right motivation. Um, I went, when I started talking to people about Jesus, I got in this place where I'm like, I gotta work, 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 work. Like I said, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. If people are getting saved by you, they have the wrong savior and they need to repent and you need to repent. It's messed up. Our heart should not be working to please God. Our heart should be working from already pleasing him and going and doing what we know pleases him more. It's not working to try to get God's love. We have it. We're sons and daughters fully loved by God. Go back into that. That's Ephesians. It's sweets. So our two places that we should have a motivation to actually talk to people about Jesus isn't just because we're right, they're wrong. It actually should be, one, because of compassion. Compassion is having a heart broken for the people around you and knowing that you actually have the solution to life. If you have the gospel, you guys actually have the solution. It's in your hands. It's not in Pastor Josh's hands. It's not in my hands. It's in yours. And he's not looking for someone to get brought to church to hear a message. He actually sent you into your job to actually get the message out. It's the good news. If your heart is not broken for people, ask God to break it today. I'm really serious on this. There's a hard-heartedness issue. And I've been asking the Lord for myself to break me and give me God's heart, because if we're going about looking through life, we get very us-centered, and we miss that like people are out dying, literally going to hell, and God actually gave me to be a solution. It's like what we said at the beginning, you guys are ministers, you guys are saints, equipped for the works of ministry, not equipped to bring people to church for the ministry to happen. That can happen that way, sweet. Please bring them to church. Church is vital, but you miss it if that's the only way that we do it. And that's how I've lived a lot of my life. That's how I've lived a lot of my life. And I'm reading my Bible, and God's showing me different. It's awesome. The second thing is living for eternity. So, just this question, and you guys can ask this in your hearts Does what you're living for right now affect eternity? If right now it doesn't affect eternity, you guys have missed it. I've missed it. So just having that right perspective, living for eternity. All right, hell is real. God does not desire one person to go there Let's make this really clear. Hell is not a figment of someone's imagination. It's in the Bible. It's eternal. And it's eternal separation from God. God's desire is not for one person to go there, but his desire. It actually said that he loved us so much and he doesn't want anyone to go there. He didn't make it for us. He made it for the devil. And the devil's pulling people in there. And he said, over my dead body, would you go there? And people all the time are actually walking right over Jesus' body into that place of hell. You don't need to. Hmm. Man. Okay. Let's uh, look at Mark 4. I'm going to read this really quick. All right, raise your hand if you're a farmer. If you're in this room and you're following Jesus, your life belongs to Jesus, you're a farmer. Trick question. <laughs> um. <laughs> the farmer... Yeah, thank you. (laughs) I'm a farmer. I'm learning how to farm. I'm learning how to be okay with callous hands. The farmer plants seeds by taking God's word to others. Listen to me. Put your name in there. Josh plants seeds by taking God's word to others. Look at me. You're in charge. You're responsible for opening your mouth and speaking, but what you're not responsible for is how people respond. Listen to this. The seeds that fell on the footpath, so God, like this farmer, he's going out and he's sharing seed. He's sharing the word of God. He's speaking, but he's not responsible for what comes up. This is what happens. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only have Satan come at once and take it away. These are people that hear God's message and this is how they respond. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, They don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil, so this is what we wanna be. And this is what we cry out for other people to be when we speak, is it fell on good soil. represents those who hear the word, accept God's word, and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and 100 times as much has been planted. Listen to this. If you're gonna be good soil in this house, it's marked by you hear God's word, and that's not all you do. You accept it, which takes action. And the third thing is you produce fruit. If you want to produce fruit, go back over to the last two podcasts. Get rooted. Get rooted. Pray, read your Bible every day and you're gonna grow, grow, grow. And when stuff comes, you're gonna grow deeper. Hmm. Are you rooted? Are you rooted? Are you rooted? If you're rooted a little bit, awesome. If you're rooted a lot of bit, awesome. If you're rooted, grow deep roots. You're not responsible for anyone's response. What you're responsible for, and what God holds you accountable for, is actually opening your mouth and saying it, even if it's scary. All right. So, how do you share the share and show the gospel? You ready for this? First thing is not how you speak. The first thing is how you live. Okay. First thing is not how you speak. It's how you actually live this thing out. Can people tell that you're a Christian? Simply by looking at your life. I lived a lot of my life thinking that I should be blended. I should be comfortable with people. I should be able to relate to people. And it's like, actually, I should stand out like a sore thumb. I'm like, man, I'm around many, many people. I should stand out like a sore thumb. If I look the same at them, that's alarming. Because that means there's no difference between me and their life. And I'm following Jesus. There should be a big difference. The second thing is what you do. From natural and supernatural, what do you do? First thing is natural. It's like, it's what Brandon's really good about. It's what I talked about in the last message. It's like, when someone's ready to move, you're going right there and you're helping them move. If someone needs like something like a paycheck-wise, just generosity, you're giving money. You guys are right there to be able to meet the needs, clothe someone that's, co- like, that's cold, feed someone who's hungry. You guys are naturally able to supply those needs. They open hearts to be ready for Jesus. The supernatural is Pray for the sick. If you're following Jesus, God's given you authority to like, get sick, kick sicknesses butt. Cast out demons. Demons are real, and they're not scary when you're walking with Jesus. They're terrifying if you're not. They're terrifying if you're not, but if you're walking with Jesus, they're not a problem. You tell them to go and they go, and you keep telling them to go until they get out. Prophetic words, and you're called to raise the dead. God's given you supernatural ability when you step out and actually say yes to him. Third thing is what you speak. So the first thing about what you speak, there's two things here. So I'm talking about, a lot about sharing the gospel. I'm gonna just simply break that down so you guys can see that. But the first is your testimony. If you come to Jesus, you have something to say. If you come to Jesus, if you come from death into life, you have something to say. Do not discount it. I spent a lot of my life thinking that my testimony was not a drug addict come to Jesus. It was not a prostitute come to Jesus. It was not I walked. For 20 years away from God, I was into all this crazy stuff. Some of you guys in this room have those testimonies, and those are phenomenal. But guess what? what's equally phenomenal is saying, I gave my life to Jesus, and this is what God's done in my life. He actually, for me, freed me in depression. For me, he actually freed me from anxiety, and I hated myself. He freed me from that. He gave me hope and joy and peace instead of depression and anxiety and fear. And he actually freed me of sexual addiction and got complete freedom in me, not because I tried really hard, but because I came under him. Listen to this. Some of you guys have a testimony that sounds like, in your mind, less than that. It's not. It's not. If you say that, you're saying what God's done in your life is less than someone else's, and you start comparing God's work and saying that he didn't do a good enough job in my life. It's not okay. This is how you say it. This is just a really cool thing that I saw that was uh, a cool way that I was learning how to share like, um, my testimony with people. Find one thing, or three things that you can say, since I came to Jesus, write this down real quick because this is cool. Take one thing, or three things, two things, that since you've come to Jesus, you've seen a change in your life, and that's your testimony. You can share that in a second, or you can go real deep into that and share it for an hour. For me, I always bring up depression, I always bring up sexual addiction, and I always bring up like self-hatred. Those three things, simple, one, two, three. I could share them in two seconds, or I could share them and go into what they're saying. But just make it simple. Share what God's done in your life because that's actually what the gospel's done in your life. The gospel. So the second thing you speak is the gospel. The gospel's enough. I'll just say that again. The gospel is literally enough. If you do not have signs, wonders, and miracles following, if you do not ever see the sick healed, the dead raised, if you never see crazy things that other people say in here, but you have the gospel, you have enough. The greatest miracle is not someone's back healed, which I love seeing. I saw a coworker of mine. God told me that he had a back problem a couple weeks ago, and I asked him about it. And he said that he, like I asked him, the Lord told me I had back pain in his lower left side of his back. He did. He said he'd been suffering with it for a while. A lot of pain. Prayed for him. God healed him. I was excited about that. But the bigger testimony is not just the healing. The bigger testimony is actually God coming And people have given their lives to Jesus, becoming born again. The old is dead, the new is come. That only comes if we know the good news, that we can share it. Okay, so just five points real quick. How many of you guys have a favorite TV show? How many of you guys have a favorite TV show that you guys actually can recite? Like, let's just say Friends, and you can actually recite the names of those people, like the main characters? Okay, The Office? The Office? Cool. If you're able to have like a favorite TV show and you can remember the names of those people, you'll have enough memory to be able to remember this. This is really simple. This is really simple. So it's not long, it's not complicated. The first one, and this is just a simple way to share the gospel with people. There's other ways. There's one gospel, other ways to share it. But the first point is when you're sharing someone someone with Jesus, I just come in and I say, you were created for a relationship with God. A lot of people would actually agree with that. Even if they don't follow Jesus at all, you're created for a relationship with God. Listen to this. God's made you for that, but guess what? Point number two. Sin separated you from God. So it's like we're made for relationship. Sin came in here, made this thing messy. It basically put up a wall between us and God. And it will separate you forever if you don't get that wall dealt with. But it wouldn't be good news if that was the end of the message. The end of the message is God loved us so much that point number three, God sent Jesus to be God's solution to sin. If you don't say anything else, you can simply just say Jesus is God's solution to sin. He's so much more, but this is the starting place. And then number four, which might sound a little scary, do you want salvation through Jesus? Being direct, being reaching your hand out and saying, are you ripe fruit? Are you ready to fall? Do you want salvation through Jesus? And then point five, if you do, this is what you need to do. The cost of following Jesus is your whole life. It's saying, God, I'm not praying a prayer. I'm not just going to church. Church does not save you if you only go to church. It's saying, God, I'm laying my life down. And it's repenting, which means you're turning away from sin. And it's two, it's saying I'm following after Jesus. Hmm. If you guys share this precious gospel, which is everything, the good news, the greatest news, and people say, Yes, I want to respond to it, don't just leave it there. Follow it out with them. It's a word called discipleship. Walk with their hands to showing them how to follow Jesus, because if you're able to share the gospel, you've been following Jesus for a minute. Even if you're only a day ahead, you have something to give and something to show. Show them the way, walk it out with your life, and show them how to follow Jesus together. Become family with them. Get them plugged into church. Get them plugged in with your life. Hmm. Okay. So I'm just gonna say a few ideas. Because this is one of those messages, even though I'm not preaching with much power as uh, Pastor Josh up here, like, like just real excited. I'm sitting here a little bit more calm and collected. This is something that you need to put your hands to. And this is not something a tomorrow message or next week message or when I'm ready message. This is saying, what little do I have and how can I give that little to God? What's the best thing I can give him and how can I give it today? So here's just a few ideas of something you guys can step out and do. Tell someone that Jesus loves them you know how scary that is when you don't ever talk to people? Like someone like, like a random stranger or talking about like someone who maybe is your, your waiter or your waitress when you're going out to lunch today. Like, do you know how scary that is when you're just trying to get that out? That's the chicken line right there. And that's like the first step of saying, if you can say Jesus loves you, you can say something else. It opens doors to be able to like talk about other things, but it's the greatest truth. Tell someone Jesus loves them today. Tell them something, like tell someone that Jesus loves them this week. Get that fear out of you. If you see someone who's sick, maybe you've never seen God heal someone, ask if you can pray for them. It's not about your perfect words, it's about God's power. Put your hands on them, say, like, Jesus healed. And then watch what happens. Ask them to try it out. See if there's any difference. Ask someone if you can pray for them. Maybe it's your coworker. Hey, just being direct, saying, hey, can I pray for you? And maybe not even saying, can I pray for something specific for you, but can I just pray over you? And just pray the best you got. And God will use the best you got, and he's gonna do cool stuff out of it. Take the gospel, the five points. If you guys didn't take a chance to write it down, go into the notes and it's all right there and practice it. I started practicing this in my car when no one's around and I just start saying these things, imagining I'm talking to people. And when I started preparing, God started putting people in front of me. Some of you guys in this room are fruit of people getting put in front of me and God actually saying, hey, I'm ready. And then God brought you guys in. What about this one how about like when you guys have a really bad uh or waitress and instead of like saying i'm going to tip based on how well you perform for me saying i'm actually going to give you more because you are like a like you weren't doing a good job for me and that right there softens people's hearts for jesus because god's not looking for like if you look at that kind of perspective saying you get what you deserve what i deserve is hell what i deserve is death what i deserve is nothing And if we give that same way, if we actually give from God's perspective, saying, I'm going to give when you're actually treating me poorly, God's going to soften hearts and be like, man, what is this Jesus? Show me. Okay. When we were kind of preparing for this, I just had this on my heart. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so let's just pray. Let's just pray. We're gonna close this out. We're gonna kind of do into like a little bit of practice, but Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for your simple gospel. Thank you for your simple, sweet, beautiful gospel, Lord. If there's people in this room that are not made right with you today, draw them, draw them right into you, Lord. If there's someone in this room or many people in this room who want Jesus. If you got baptized before, baptism doesn't save you. Faith in Jesus, repentance saves you. If you're baptized as a baby, it doesn't count. If you're baptized and you didn't lay your life down and start following Jesus, it don't count. If you've come into this thing saying, I'm walking my own way, look at your way and see if it actually is working for you because Jesus' way does. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Know this, I said the cost of following Jesus is not you doing it like like you just praying a prayer, but it's actually saying, God, I want my life to belong to you. I don't wanna just do a church thing. I don't wanna just say the right things, God. I actually want to give my life to you. And guess what he gives in turn? He gives the freedom from sin. He washes your sin clean. He actually makes you right with God. He actually gives you a brand new life so you can actually walk out and follow him. He gives you joy, peace, life, righteousness. If you're in this room today and you want that, I'm not gonna say come to the front. What I'm gonna say is, can I just have some of the leaders in the room, or church leaders, just raise your hand. And some of the, like any of the pastors in the room too. Just look around, if you want Jesus, come talk to one of them after service. They'll actually talk about like what it means to follow Jesus. And if you want them, they'll walk you through that.